0: Long-time listeners of the Cutter Calloway podcast know that music can only mean one thing. It's time for the next installment of Today in Heresy, this week, monthly edition. My guest for today's episode is Justin Wells. Although we discuss a number of topics depending upon where the rabbit trail leads, the focus of our conversation is the newly released documentary American Heretics. Justin and I are both hosting post-screening conversations about American Heretics on August 7th at 7.30 p.m., Justin will be at the Limley Monica Center in Santa Monica. I will be at the Limley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena. For tickets and additional info, check out Limley.com. All right, so for the very first episode of Today in Heresy, this week, monthly edition. uh, Justin, you have graciously agreed to join me to talk about, well, the headlines, um, and as I put it, the latest crazy thing that... People who identify as Christians or people of faith, of any religion, what they're doing out in the world and where we really name them as heretics <laughs> and really uh-huh. call out heresy where we see it. Um, and uh, so thank you for joining me and uh-huh. uh, uh, adding your insight into this conversation. Um The occasion for our our chat today is this new documentary film, American Heretics. So we'll get to that in just a second. But I thought first it'd be interesting to hear from you. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and why, when I first was talking to you about this idea of a podcast on heresy, Mm -hmm. why you were like, oh, I'm interested in that. Like, what was it that was compelling to you about that?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so we went to Fuller together. Former classmates. I went on to Art Center College of Design to get my MFA
0: to do real things in the real world. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess. Uh, I mean, to yeah, to to work in the film business, and that's what I do now. And so, I'm a camera technician on big Hollywood movies. I'm gonna go do a Melissa McCarthy movie, a Netflix movie next. Can you tell um, us what it is? Yeah, it's called uh, Thunder Force. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, and uh, but I'll do that. Right now, about six months out of the year, and the other six months, I do my writing, my documentaries, and I've been thinking about documentary film. And uh, you guys um, commissioned me to write a book for your, your monograph series. Right. And so I have a book on documentary film called How to Film Truth, which is my thoughts on sort of what makes a documentary meaningful and powerful. Um, and that's me.
0: Wonderful. And then when I said, hey, heresy. <laughs> is this just something personally you're interested in, often are accused of? What, right. what is it that, that captivated now, you about that?
1: Well, you know, I think that uh, this the idea of how today in our culture, how, how tribal and group dynamics and group psychology are working out, um, not just in the religious community or the communities of faith, but everybody um, sort of trying to to figure out who they belong to, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's your community? Yeah. And then there's always this sort of idea of, you know, Mako Fujimora, um, artist who wrote Culture Care, affiliated with Fuller here, mm-hmm. um, has this idea of the border stalker. Yeah. And the artist is kind of has that role where you're sort of questioning things. You're sort of not necessarily taking the received orthodoxy of your group, whatever that group might be, mm-hmm. and questioning things. And that can run afoul of being accused yeah. of, of, of heresy or being yeah. called a heretic in some sense. And so I think that a lot of that's going on these days. I see it in so many different communities, and I just think it's fascinating to explore.
0: Yeah, the, the border stalker thing is interesting because in this film, American Heretics, uh, they call themselves, it's not border stalker, it's like border patrol, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something like that, which is a, a similar kind of idea where you, you feel... Um, uh, on the outside of every in-group. So it's almost like you have no insider, pure insider status, um, even though you probably align with multiple different groups, and yet you're you're kind of here. And at least in Mako's terms, there are people that uniquely have that kind of calling. Um, Not everybody is gifted or equipped to do that. Um, And yet artists are often that. Um, Interestingly, in this film, uh, American Heretics, the the religious representatives, the pastoral staff, right, of specific churches, see themselves as these sort of border stalkers. Um, when you think about, so now you're a, a person interested in heresy, you're a documentary filmmaker, you also have a, a degree uh, from a seminary. So you are probably a perfect person to comment on this unique film. Um, But as sort of just a viewer, your kind of gut response uh, to American Heretics, uh, what what were sort of your first impressions? Just coming out, okay, watch the film, boom.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, what I was saying to you earlier, I think um, it's interesting that uh, the film it wants to get into um, following these characters that have decided and usually it's a sort of a social justice issue or you know something that they feel is important that their their religious community is not addressing you know so you could take two major ones you know immigration or um, universalism or you know sort of the belief in hell um and uh, you know, sort of following those characters or those subjects and seeing sort of how it plays out in their lives, you notice certain things like it severs more than just the disagreement over that one thing yeah. because it sort of makes the um, the community mistrust everything you say hmm. because it's sort of like, well, you know, you, you sort of, now I'm not sure what to think. I'm not sure if you're one of us, sort of a <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. So I think that they they portray that really well. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's that great of a commentary on those specific issues. Yeah. That's not what is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, particularly because um, they don't really provide a debate in the film yeah. over, let's say, immigration policy or, um, or whether or not – or universalism or something yeah. like yeah. that. They're just kind of following this th- – th- what. People go through when they're rethinking the the orthodoxy of their community and how they how they navigate sort of coming together and forming a new community with some maybe different or updated values.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting because uh, on the one hand, I think through with any film I've told you before, I'm worst with documentaries because <laughs> it's hard for me to separate whether or not I'm I'm responding just to the the story, just the on the ground data, right, or the the way that it's been shaped and formed. Um, and in this one in particular, I had to because I, I agree. I was like, well, where where is the other side, right? What is that? Um, and if that's the appeal that there's another side to the story, well, um we're missing uh, kind of half of it, if you will. Um, but then I stopped and I said, well, um now we have the intentions of the filmmakers, and they have an audience in mind. And I do think, I think one thing that I appreciated about it, um, was one as you said? They're they're kind of following these subjects, right? These particular people and how they're responding to on the ground um, issues. And if you are a, you know, a liberal, progressive Christian in a conservative, you know, environment. Uh, Republican environment, that's that is an interesting story, and you're going to have unique um, uh, experiences. But then I thought uh, I did appreciate. It seemed like because the the filmmakers I don't believe have any sort of uh, skin in the game necessarily. And even their own sort of like, oh, there's a way to be Christian that's not the sort of fundamentalist right wing evangelical, you know, the the caricature that you can imagine. So I was like, well, maybe what's happening here is both their own kind of aha, like, oh, my goodness, there are people that that are people of faith and yet see differently on these sort of social issues. And then their appeal to an audience that is similar to them saying Hey, did you all know <laughs> yeah. that there are these people out there that are actually Christians, and the narrative we've received about what it means to be Christian in America um, is not entirely true? So at that, and I stop and go, okay, so maybe that's actually one of the values. Is mm-hmm. that is that on is that right in your mind, or yeah. do we still always need the whole second half of the of the conversation for it to work?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it it does sort of have to be nuanced by audience, and yeah. uh, you know, I think that the documentary community generally has a bit more of a liberal progressive audience. So it is probably speaking to that crowd and the juxtaposition of the sort of, um, I don't know what what you'd call it, like sort of association with the Trump administration, for example, (laughs) and Christianity. um, You're being
0: very, very uh, kind there. I would say it's like uh, a wedding, like they're wedded (laughs) more than association. But yeah, So there was a a scene
1: in there... um, where uh, – who was it that was talking, the Liberty University guy? Um, Jerry Falwell? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. it was Jerry Falwell Jr. and he had a quote that said, the three problems are Obama, oh,
0: yeah.
1: Osama, and your mama. your mama. And he said yeah, that yeah. to uh, Hillary – or um, Hillary Clinton's daughter. Yeah. 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 Um, that sort of speech that he gave. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the – I think in, in the minds of the filmmaker, this is uh-huh. what – their audience thinks that all Christians are like that, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. So now they're trying, they're showing some examples of a host of characters of, you know, um, dealing with issues that don't fit into that political um, category.
0: Yeah. Um, And, and then you get to uh, sort of, how do you then tell sort of sympathetic stories of these uh, characters that are often not sympathetic? And, you know, let's say the Jerry Falwell Jr. thing is the foil they're working with. And mm-hmm. I think they're right. I mean, I I identify as a Christian and even still as an evangelical, what I think it used to mean. Um, and so many times I'm, I'm out trying to say, hey, what you hear in the news about what it means to be evangelical or what Jerry Falwell Jr. or whomever of these uh, folks say is not what is representative of Christians. And I go, and, and in fact, it's a minority view. <sighs> And that's true. And then I stop and I go, and at the same time, it's not. <laughs> at the same uh-huh. time, he actually represents a wide swath of people who identify as evangelical Christians. Um, and so it's it, it is a caricature of a sort, but it's actually kind of accurate. Um, and And so for me, uh, as a person who identifies with that, it was helpful to to see them um, display some sympathy. Uh, and and compassion for a group of people that I think could otherwise be demonized fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Now, in your mind, um, as we think about all those things, so you've got the politics of it, um, you've got the sort of uh, documentary nature of it, um, you've got the religious uh, undercurrent, or even depending if it's undercurrent or sort of the facade over the whole thing um, remains to be seen. Um, how would you how would you describe this is this is more a like Sociological question. So you can put on your sociologist hat here.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, what phenomenon exactly is this film describing or presenting to us? What, what is the thing that it's depicting for us if we think sociologically in the U.S. right mm-hmm. now? Well... I,
1: I think that it's, it's – sometimes it's hard to see these kind of sociological d- dynamics when it's something that's so current and going yeah. on right now. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think in in one sense it's going to be hard to to see the sort of heretic phenomenon playing out in this film particularly because we're going to want to take a side on one of these issues. Yeah, yeah. We're going to want to say, well, that's actually – you know, I don't agree with that part yeah. or – when, in fact, I think if you take a step back a little bit, you can see this this phina- this phenomenon of in-group loyalty. And there's all sorts of things that um, – all sorts of benefits from having a, a sort of a tribal mm-hmm. membership, whether it's from a religious community or from some other – in some other form in society, that you just sort of forget about all these little benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Robert Putnam – uh, who wrote American Grace, How Religion Unites and Divides Us. Um, he wrote a book also called Bowling Alone, which mm-hmm. is about the decline mm-hmm. of all of these sort of um, groups that um, pe- we used to have in society, like bowling yeah. leagues and yeah. mm-hmm. the Elks Club and, and stuff, and how that kind of, for various reasons, economic reasons, transportation reasons, sociological mm-hmm. reasons, have declined. So people are kind of trying to navigate through this stuff. Um, and... Uh, the. I think what's interesting about it is is thinking about how that dynamic works sometimes a community can be good and sometimes it can be restrictive <laughs> yeah you know um so i'll I'll give you an example from sports because oh, I, I think that sometimes um it's easier to see when it's when it's not quite so serious of yeah. an issue yeah. right so um, what are you
0: talking about sports is very serious
1: <laughs> <laughs> there I, um you can cut this out if this is too if if i'm if I shouldn't say this but there's a um, a moral psychologist who says sports is to war what pornography is to sex, hmm. you know, sort of a, um, a, um, like a, a cathartic um, rehearsal um, or reenactment yeah, of the yeah. same phenomena yeah. that you would get in, in a war, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I've always been a Dodger fan. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big rivalry between the Dodgers and the Giants. And yeah. I remember uh, seeing a hat. That was blue and white, but it had an SF on it. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, you know, why would someone have that? You know, it's a very, it's like it, it has the colors of one tribe, but has the symbol of mm-hmm. another tribe. And so I posted it on social media and I said, how do you, how does this make you guys feel? And people kept commenting back various um, words for like nauseous, like it makes huh. me feel sick to yeah, my stomach, yeah. you know, because those don't belong together. Yeah, You know, so the, I feel like there's a... When you, when you want to belong to a tribe, there's a sense it, it's not just mm. what you believe. Yeah. It's it's all of these other sort of the aesthetics of it, The yeah. you know, what it feels like to be a Dodger fan. Mm. So the game that you play when you're a sports fan is you defend your guy mm-hmm. no matter what. <laughs> and, and you demonize the other guy. Yeah. That's yeah. the game you play. So a couple years ago in the playoffs... Chase Utley, second baseman for the Dodgers, slid into second base and broke the leg of of a Mets player, right? Mm -hmm. And it later led to the Chase Utley rule, which is now in place in Major League Baseball, where you can't – you have to slide to the base. You can't just take out the the, um, the, uh, second baseman on uh, just to break up the double play. So the game at the time was, if you're a Dodger fan, you say, no, 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 that was a hard-nosed play. (laughs) Uh, That's just old-school baseball. That was correct, right? And then, if you're on the other side, you say, What, what, that was a dirty play. Like, what are you talking Clearly about? Clearly, it was dirty, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, and I remember I became a heretic in that game because I disagreed with my side. I said, Well, actually, I don't think people should be breaking the yeah. le- their legs in a, in a sport like this. Like, there should not, that was not a, a clean play. Like, I don't think that should exist, yeah. you know? And people are like, No, that's not, that's not what your job is. To, you, <laughs> you're doing the wrong thing. You're, you're supposed to defend your guy, yeah. You yeah. So I feel like that's sort of the – that's the heretic phenomenon, huh. you know, the, the this idea that, like, if your tribe believes this and this tribe believes that, you're supposed to defend it. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't quite make logical sense, mm-hmm. you know, even – you know, so that's why this whole phenomenon is someone that wants to mm-hmm. be a border stalker, wants to kind of mm-hmm. realize that this is a mm-hmm. cognitive bias that we have, yeah. these tribal loyalties. It's hard to navigate yeah. – and you're losing some of those, those uh, comforts, those yeah. connections.
0: Well, and it's also—I mean, it's interesting as you're talking. Uh, I will definitely keep in the um, sports to war, pornography to sex metaphor. So don't worry about that. Okay. But um, because it's—I'm um, reading a book uh, by Michael Thomas Sello. It's called uh, *Becoming Human*. And he's a evolutionary psych guy, and and mainly is, is saying the the human distinctive about our cognitive capacities has to do really with sort of uh, collaboration and um, uh, you and I sitting down and creating a we, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we have to uh, collectively and with our sort of joint attention attend to some goal, some something. And in the doing of that, and this is what he's saying is distinct from, say, uh, chimpanzees or others, um, is that we can, chimps can like coordinate, um, but they do so and they collaborate competitively. Um, humans uh, collaborate cooperatively, and that requires this sort of uh, this notion of a we that sort of transcends you and I, um, and that d- develops all these sort of norms and regulations, expectations for each other. And um, this is, in his mind, um, one of the sort of origins or sources for in-group, out-group thinking. And what's fascinating is um, I I've always thought when it comes to sort of these the evolutionary psych thing of like, well, how does that explain then? how that so often doesn't work, right? If if we have an evolutionary bias to work with others, why do I look around and everyone's like <laughs> not doing that, right? And the answer, according to uh, Tomasello, is because you can only sustain sort of uh, the amount of cognitive collaboration with so many humans. Um, So when you're walking around L.A. and you see just an infinite sea of people, the reason you don't go, hey, 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 to every single person, it's just unsustainable. Like you have a certain group. And um, I I think the numbers, there's, you know, these different networks of numbers. There's like a, a small group, five or six. Then there's like 20 and 50 and then like 150. So there's something about these numbers that we align with and can sort of keep in mind at once. Okay, great. So you're prone to collaborate with your in-group. You're prone to cooperate, to seek each other's mutual benefit and interests. But you also, because of that, are prone to demonize and not trust and, or at least treat suspiciously, everyone who doesn't look and think and talk and act like you. So so what's fascinating to me is that this is a very sort of baseline um, thing about what it means to be human. The question then I get when when you talk about border stalkers and what is I go at a certain point, whether it's modern society, quote unquote, um, or often religious communities are working against that trend. Mm -hmm. So um, the the people that we get in American heretics are trying to say, okay whether it's immigration is a great example to say, no, we need to intentionally advocate for and seek the well-being of those not in our in-group, our out-group, the, yeah. the Giants fans. Um, or no, it wasn't Giants. It was, was Matt's fans Mets in, this, Mets. in this example. Yeah. Um, and, and that actually, the reason that people are physically nauseous is because they're responding viscerally to what comes naturally to them as these human creatures. Um, and so it's hard. That's one thing. It's hard to get people to say, do what feels awful, <laughs> <laughs> um, while acknowledging that's normal. You're not like crazy mm-hmm. for feeling nauseous. Um, and and on the other hand, you're working against these sort of demagogues who are explicitly tapping into that, right? So yeah. so you get the the Jerry Falwells, the Trumps, the whomevers, and and those are the right wing people. You know, you sure. have people on the on the other side too, and what they're doing is they're leveraging the power of that to reinforce. And so it's no small wonder now in a world that's increasingly globalized, we get all these tribes meshing with each other. That what do we see globally, not just in the U.S.? We see all this sort of re-entrenchment of tribal alliances and identities, mm-hmm. in part because it's so powerful. So as we think through, <laughs> okay, a documentary, right? So mm-hmm. you have um, uh, skills in making documentaries. Um, you sent me uh, this fascinating TED Talk by uh, Cassie Jay, who made this film, The Red Pill and she was a feminist who made uh, a doc on the men's right movement uh, yeah. men's, men's right advocates right yeah um and and so y- you're thinking about all these things like you could tap into these in group things as a document uh, documentary filmmaker you could be a border stalker mm-hmm. um, how do you see your role uh, when it comes to these issues of in group out group as a documentarian um, and maybe say a little bit about uh, what you found interesting about uh, Cassie's project and yeah. what she experienced.
1: Well, I think Cassie J is a very interesting case because um, I think I find that it's easy to see. Uh, like again like the sports metaphor yeah. or something that you have a little bit of distance mm-hmm. from you don't really have anything invested in you can see yeah. this sort of heretic phenomenon yeah. you know you can see so her quote in her TED talk that she talked which is about the making of her her movie um was if you start to humanize your enemy mm-hmm. you will be dehumanized by your community yeah. right and i think that's this idea of you know like if you if you leave your group and, you've, and you consider yourself to be kind of in hostile territory, mm. you're going to have your guard up and you're, you're still kind of comfortable because you're not being vulnerable mm-hmm. in front of you know people that are not part of your in-group, yeah. right? But if someone in your in-group starts to look a little bit like your out-group starts to you know put on the colors of the other team mm-hmm. that feels more like a betrayal huh. and so that's yeah. why I think sometimes the backlash is worse yeah. for someone close to you that feels like a betrayal. So, she thinks that this is sort of what happened to her. She had made, I think, three or four um, documentaries that were um, about women's issues, yeah. and she had certain distributors and certain, you know, alliances. Mm-hmm. And so she went to go make this. Red Pill movie, which she eventually called it the Red Pill. I don't know what it, the original yeah. title was, but she was kind of setting out to sort of um, portray this men's right movement as patriarchal, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to sort of paint them in a in a in a bad light um, to expose them, yeah. right? Um, but she she was approaching it with integrity in the sense of like she wasn't going to try to trap them sure. into saying something wrong or saying something embarrassing. Um, and she sort of along the way found that she had some agreements with some of them, such as the suicide rate among men being a problem mm-hmm. and that there might be something we can do as a society is to sort of bring that suicide rate down. Yeah. Um, so when she finally came out with the movie, it wasn't as bad – it didn't portray the, the the men's rights movement or uh, characters as badly as her yeah. community wanted. They weren't
0: wholly evil. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: So she couldn't get the film into every all the other these mm-hmm. other places that she had sort of done films before, and it was this sort of phenomenon. It reminded me of early um, religious protests of movies such as um, The Passion of the Christ, yeah. Martin Scorsese protesting without having seen the film, you know. (laughs) This was sort of like she was getting answers and and judgments about her film from within her community by people who hadn't seen her film, right? All
0: for daring to give a sympathetic or an honest read to some of the group. Yes,
1: to humanize the the other side, yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's—I feel like that's—that example shows us that it doesn't matter if your group is religious— Or if it's uniting around, say, a social issue like that, where there's still going to be this human psychological trait of feeling betrayed by. And I feel like what you have to do with that is you have to recognize that as part of your psychology and you have to sort of. Be aware of that when you're, especially, particularly if you're an artist of some kind, like a documentarian, be aware of your bias towards your group Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and say, okay, do I want to sort of learn and grow with this experience? It means that I'm going to have to maybe talk to someone I'm uncomfortable with.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. One of my other quote of hers that I really love from that is, um, the greatest challenge was not the the heresy accusations, right, Mm -hmm. that she received. Um, It was peeling back the layers of my own bias I did meet the enemy, and it was me, right? Uh-huh. This is what she's saying. I'm like, whoa, that is brilliant. <laughs> and and so I wonder, um, like with this American Heretics, how it will or won't be received for similar reasons, right? Yeah. Um, now, I think probably the closer analog would be if you sat down with those public figures who are so, you know, um, extreme in their views and tried to humanize them in this case it's sort of um, one step removed so these are other folks that maybe you haven't heard of Mm -hmm. and it's more like you're humanizing Christians more broadly yeah Um, and and for that reason some very well may may reject it because here now again we have these filmmakers of American heretics saying we're gonna we found out I mean in some of the uh, media stuff they put out it's like oh we didn't realize you could be a Christian Um, and be a democrat we didn't realize you could be a christian and advocate for certain social justice you know this was Mm -hmm. an awareness to them um so it'll be interesting to see in a movie titled american heretics if people will accuse them of betraying their their group another thing that that you just brought up that's really interesting to me on the politics the religion all of it um, and then specifically with film and the media we produce is the economic structures you land in so uh cassie's film you know you said you've got it's not just these film festival circuits, but those are all funded by specific dollars that have ideologies attached to them. Yep. Um, and that's the case everywhere, you know. So how do you – like, how do you navigate that? Because it's so expensive to make a movie. Yeah. Um, even though people say, oh, everyone makes it on iPhones now. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe some little segment, uh, yeah. you know, you can't – but um, it's so expensive. So you have to have things underwritten. You have to have – you know, for, for these things to be made. Um how do you balance the, okay, I know I need some some distributor for this. At the same time, I, I don't want to dehumanize my subjects, mm-hmm. and specifically as a documentarian. What, what's your sort of, how do you think through those, those questions? Well,
1: it, it's interesting. If you look at the top five all-time grossing box office um, documentaries, you're going to get Probably the two most politically biased—one on the right and one on the left—filmmakers in that top
0: five. Okay, let me guess. I'm assuming uh, Michael Moore is one of them. Yep.
1: he's number That's one. Bowling for
0: Columbine. Is that? Uh, it's or? either
1: No, it's probably um, it, not that one, but the one he did about George Bush. Um, oh yeah,
0: um, it'll come to me. Yeah. Um, but then who's who's the other?
1: Dinesh D'Souza.
0: Oh, oh, interesting.
1: So I think Obama's America is like, I, 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 it's been about six months since I looked at these, these numbers, but I think it's two or three. So, so, so that makes, so demonizing the other side and kind of whipping up like, yeah, 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 Let's, let's, uh, let's pile it on. Let's pile it on, you know, sort of the preaching to the choir phenomenon Mm -hmm. is very lucrative. Yeah. And, um, so there's a sense in which that's a problem mm. in the fact that we are rewarding, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're paying people to be divisive, yeah. you know, to be less sympathetic, yeah. to be less empathetic. Um, but, the you know, if you look also, I think number three is probably March of the Penguins, oh. which is a very mm-hmm. inspiring story, yeah. Yeah. you know. So um, it's not impossible to yeah. do well with something that's more, that's not divisive, that's yeah. not Sort of tribal, I yeah, guess, or yeah. um, but just um, has to
0: be about penguins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nature documentaries yeah. are always doing, well, yeah, but yeah. the Mister Rogers documentary cracked oh, yes. the top twenty this year. Right. Um, right. Won't you be my neighbor? And yeah. that's Morgan Neville, yeah. who directed that movie. Um, I feel like he has a really, really mm-hmm. great approach at this. Um, at trying to heal the divide using yeah. his films. He did a, a film called Best of Enemies, which mm-hmm. is about the famous Gore Vidal, um, William F. Buckley debates. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first times that the media ever realized that pitting one side against another and having them fight it out on camera gets a lot of ratings. Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of, a, in a way, the precursor to every little step that we've done since then yeah. of you know having more pundits on the news yeah. and having the news be a little bit more biased and you know mm-hmm. on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And he's seen this, and he's kind of using his films as kind of a way to say, you know, as an antidote to that in some sense. Uh-huh. And I think it resonates with people. So it's possible to do, but it's it's a challenge because you've got a lot of hurdles to overcome. And so I'll let you know when I distribute my first <laughs> film.
0: <laughs> well, so um, you've also you brought up a handful of different docs here, and um, in your book, How to Film Truth. Um, you you kind of make a typology of these different types, um, and maybe for people who I mean the book is great and it's very short and readable, so everyone should go read it. But for the non-readers uh, in our audience, what well, what are those? How do you break down the different kinds of documentaries, and how would you describe American Heretics? Where does it mm-hmm. land in that?
1: Yeah, well, what I did with my book is, um, in if you look at um, like regular screenwriting books, they're you they're analyzed. In terms of mythology, you know, the certain stories that resonate with us based off of the work of Joseph Campbell, yeah. The Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really have anything like that for documentary. And I kept thinking that there, the only genre categories for documentary that I could find were style related. Mm-hmm. You know, like cinema verite means you, you're you a fly on the wall. Yeah. Point of view means you, you talk from behind the camera and this is your point of view. Um, expository means... A narrator talks and there's B-roll, you know, Mm -hmm. like a Ken Mm -hmm. Burns type thing. So, but that didn't really say about the content of of the documentary. Mm -hmm. So, what I did was instead of using mythology like they do in uh, fiction, analyzing fiction film, um, is to use religious um, practice or or ritual, you know. So, it depends on what kind of truth you're trying to get at Mm -hmm. with a documentary. So, confessional truth is different than testimonial truth, mm-hmm. you know. So, confession would be one genre. That's where you're trying to get at. The, the confession is really about lying to yourself versus, mm. you know, self-deception versus uh, self awareness. Um, awareness. Yeah. yeah. And that's the that's the um, that's the point of conflict within mm. that documentary if it's a confessional documentary. Um, testimonial truth is more about. A story that you want to tell the community mm-hmm. that is going to be encouraging for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, testimonial docs are great. Celebratory truth is more about remembering something that should be celebrated, mm-hmm. or or making people aware of something that should yeah. be celebrated. Lament is about making people aware of something that's tragic. Sort of more like functioning like a funeral would function, mm-hmm. where you're processing through um, something um, mm-hmm. something bad that's happened yeah. or, or something traumatic for the community and then poetic um, truth is more about discovering something sublime or um, or uh, or an overlooked miracle Hmm. uh, something Mm -hmm. profound you know so those are my genres I think I would actually put this this film into the um, the essay category Hmm. you know um, I think that like the role of the essay in society which is sort of this you know here you know I want to I've got some information that I'm going to lay out to you, yeah. and, and I'm going to argue for a point. There's being, um, look, you know, here's some. It's possible to be a Christian without being right wing. Maybe yeah. that could be that. That's the title of their essay, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's what they're sort of trying to use their characters or their subjects as examples for. Mm. And then their sort of experts that they interview yeah. in the in the film are explaining yeah. the background to this and how this how they can be Christian and have these progressive values yeah
0: and essay meaning i don't know if you mean it as explicit. like i'm imagining a, a new yorker article or sure. something so is it sort of that like yeah. it's functioning similarly but in, i think so yeah okay. yeah um that's really cool i um it, it in this essay then um and it's it sort of we talked about it i guess a bit and what's the phenomenon it's actually getting at um but i can't get away from especially when we're talking about american heresies and american religion Mm -hmm. and specifically christianity in america um at least this essay uh, taps into uh, immigration and the notion of universalism or hell right Mm -hmm. um and maybe the hell one is more doctrinal but especially the immigration i i it's hard for me to know are we actually and again the title of it is american heretics and their their subjects have actually been accused of heresy in time so it makes total sense but sometimes I wonder when you drill down into the actual topic we're investigating, um, and maybe it's uniquely to America, not because of the documentary per se, are we actually talking about what we have meant historically by heresy, which is a sort of um, you run against the orthodox formulation of some religious community, okay, mm. in your belief and testament, or whatever? Um, are we doing that still? Or are we actually really just talking about politics um, and back to sort of tribal identity politics? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a sense for that? Like, are we <laughs> – is the essay really about politics at the end of the day that's just covered in religious garb? Or are we actually talking about yeah. religious heresy of some sort?
1: Well, you're you're much more of a theologian than I am.
0: <laughs> um, it's a leading question.
1: So, so I don't – I wouldn't say that I could speak to historically what yeah. – um, what a heretic meant or um and also because I, I think there's just way more possibilities for tribal alliances today yeah. than than in the past where you sort of if you grew up in a, in a certain community that was your tribe. Yeah. And so there obviously the the dynamics are going to be a little bit different. Um, so I, I I don't know if I.
0: If I know the <laughs> That's answer. fair. That's good. I, I don't I don't entirely know either. It's so um, conflated. I think it's really hard. Kind of like you're saying, it's hard to get away from something so close to view. Yeah. Like right now, it's also hard. These all of these sort of uh, strands are interwoven together, and it's really hard to pull them apart in any meaningful way. Um, and especially the way that that um, American Christians identify it it is even to a person like, well, is that a political identity or not? And Mm -hmm. actually some of the uh, uh, polls I've read on this, this uh, title evangelical Christian in particular for uh, a number, a large subset, I want to say it was like 25 or 30% that don't quote me on that, but um, of those identifying as evangelical Christians when followed up um, about religious practice and belief, don't do or believe anything that, Anyone would say is a a Christian thing. Uh-huh. So for some, it is actually a political label. It's not mm-hmm. a religious label for them. They just go, oh, if I'm, you know, you know, list off the things that a, a conservative Republican would be, that's what it means. That's yeah. I'm that, and yeah. that's called being evangelical, right? And so, right, right. Yeah. which is fascinating to me that it's mm-hmm. not just there's a group of Christians that are using this in an interesting way, but. Um, there's a group of people that aren't using it in any religious way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 conflated. The other side of me, too says, you know, as the theologian, yeah. um, i'm let's just talk ideas, beliefs, doctrine for a 2nd I'm convinced that I have to be, and all of us are. it's not it's not whether we're heretics. it's what kind and to what degree. Sure. um we kind of choose which heresies we're more comfortable with than others. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about God and God is who we claim God to be, there's no sense in which any of our thoughts and doctrines about God are accurate. <laughs> yeah, or that the degree to which they're accurate falls so short of truth, back to how to film truth mm-hmm. that uh, again, it's it's a matter of degree or it's it, yeah, it's it's a matter of degree, not kind. yeah, yeah, I think that's right. yeah. Um, So I think that's one way that I approach it is, um, yes, I think there are valuable sort of commitments that the Christian um, should make to still say, I'm a Christian, but at the same time, be pretty open, open open-handed and humble about it, recognizing that, uh, Mm -hmm. if you really push me on it, there are certain things that I probably sort of conceptualize in quote unquote, semi-heretical ways. Mm -hmm. Then we get to the level of sort of uh, sociopolitical realities and I do. This is why sort of the podcast emerged, and, mm-hmm. and that is my question of the value of this notion of heresy. So mm-hmm. I kind of go, okay. Historically, we had this label heretics, and um, it served a, a certain religious and political function. Part of me thinks we should actually bring it back because, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, in a in a more robust way, uh-huh. um, because I you know at the end of the day, I don't want to go around like policing people's thought or it's just not. I'm not yeah. interested in that. However, there are some things where I go, wow, that group of people, whether it's because they're prominent or they're a large group or whatever, Mm -hmm. are doing things and behaving in ways and affecting policies that impact all of us in ways that I think are actually Mm sub-Christian. Like they move against what I understand to be the gospel. They move Mm -hmm. against what I understand to be the teachings of Jesus. And I go, in that climate, when you have a group of people identifying as Christians, as I do, Mm -hmm. claiming a Christianity that does fill in the blank, and to me is so subversive to the gospel or subverting of the gospel, Mm -hmm. um, is there some value in actually calling that out as what I would say is heretical or Mm -hmm. sub-Christian? What do you think about that? Is that that a, a, a good sensibility or are we well there
1: is a, i do think that there's a a real problem with redefining or rebranding things for political purposes yeah, yeah. you know here's an example and this might be this might be a little bit of a stretch but you tell me what you think so like the the concept of fake news, right, yeah, has two yeah. meanings now. Yeah, yeah. Now, at first, it had one meaning, mm-hmm. very specific. It meant someone setting up a, a website that looks like a news website, mm-hmm. writing an article that's m- completely made up, mm-hmm. and then trying to make it go viral. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was fake news, mm-hmm. okay? Then it was rebranded yep. by our president mm-hmm. as. To mean mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's now there, you have the same term, but you have two tribes mm-hmm. using yeah. to it to mean different things, yeah. right? And so you might want to say some sense of like, well, the correct <laughs> the correct definition yeah. of that should be this, mm-hmm. you know? And and this other use of it is a heretical <laughs> yeah. use of it. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah. And, and then the question I keep coming back to in is because uh, so evangelical is one of those words Christian is one of those words um, is well then what's the point okay so if I said oh wait 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 the real use is this well at this point with fake news being yeah. one of them it doesn't matter like it it, it has <laughs> yeah. a life of its own yes. irrespective of it but it does seem like uh, you know and I know I know a lot of journalists and other news media uh-huh. outlets you know are ugh, you know, stumbling over themselves to make this point. (laughs) Like, no, we're not fake news. Fake news is what, you know, Russian bots create, right? Or not even Russian bots, even homegrown bots, right? Right. Um, So it's a really good analogy. Um, The the challenge, I think, and that's my sort of, why my question is so open-ended is I get so defeatist. Like, it just, it's not going to matter. Now, what's hard is with some of these labels, whether it's evangelical or, or Christian, and it comes to like what's heretical or not, is I'm still at the stage where I go, you know, okay, the fake news analogy, Mm -hmm. that there's value in really clearly identifying what sort of Orthodox Christianity has been historically. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason, this is on my mind, I just wrote an article about uh, boomers and and millennials through the lens of summer blockbusters. Mm -hmm. So I use, uh, did you see Far From Home, Spider-Man? No, I didn't see that yet. Um, Well, basically, did you see Endgame, Avengers? No. Oh my goodness! It's, I'm it's sorry. i a documentarian. I, so. I, I, I
1: watch so many documentaries. I know. I, I, know, I, I, know. I let the um, big, I let the blockbusters slip through the cracks. Well, I right. actually didn't see uh,
0: Endgame, so, uh-huh. um, but I did see Spider Man. But it's it's basically um, this this question of Spider Man's now in a post Avengers world, um, mm-hmm. and uh, how does he go about? being a superhero in this new landscape, uh-huh. um, and and the, the ongoing question, who's going to be the next Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the character they choose to be, the villain, is Mysterio, who operates in deception. The whole thing is Peter Parker trying to figure out, like, he can't, he doesn't know what's real. He doesn't. Hmm. Is it illusion? Is it a? Is it a, an active illusion? Is it my mind telling me something? Is it reality? I, you know, it's really confusing for him. And I thought that was actually a perfect villain, because what then he's struggling with is how do I how do I assess what's real and what's true, given this world where where the same term means multiple different things. You know, I can't trust what I see. You know. Um, and, and his sort of instinct is, I've got to rely on this wisdom that came from prior superheroes, mm-hmm. but I've been detached from it. Like, how do I get there? And so I think it's a great picture of where we're at now if we just say, um, oh, go out and make sense of life. Go out and make sense of this sort of world that has yeah. double meanings, triple meanings all over the place. Yeah. And yet do so without being rooted in this sort of historic tradition that really funds your ability to discern mm-hmm. truth from falsehood. Um, and and that I think is why I wish, and, and again, uh, heresy doesn't have to be the right word, but sure. there was some way for us collectively, whether it's religious communities, sports teams or whatnot, to say there's some value in us tapping into what it means historically to do this, because that's the only way really mm-hmm. we can move forward in discerning these things. Is there a parallel the, there with making a documentary like do you Mm -hmm. see yourself somehow rooting out not heresy let's say you're you're exposing truth exploring truth do you do that self-consciously in a historic tradition of Mm -hmm. truth tellers documentary film
1: there could be an analogy to you know the idea of a creed Hmm. you know like i I think maybe that's what you're kind of getting at historically and in in um of people kind of getting together in a room discussing these things out okay what do we mean by this yeah. what do we mean by that so that so that when people kind of come together around a creed yeah. you know it's it's sort of like okay We've we've worked this out, like, and that's that's what happened. That's what's happening now. I think in this sort of more fragmented world, yeah. is that everything is up for negotiation as yeah. to terms of yeah. what it means, and it can feel very unsettling mm-hmm. because, and there can be a lot of miscommunication, and you know, the fake news is an obvious double meaning, but there's probably twenty mm-hmm. that we're not even aware of that yeah. are also <laughs> double meanings, here, right? So, the, this idea of kind of sitting down and working out yeah. something, something a little bit more like long form. That's, mm-hmm. what a, that's what a documentary does well is yeah. it works through an issue over a period of time mm. and gives us all kind of a common framework within which we can have conversations. Yeah. And it defines a lot of the terms for us mm. so that now we can – we're not talking past each other as much. Oh, interesting. There's an organization actually that I'm going to start um, – I'm going to try to start helping uh, Helping called um, – uh, Better Angels, oh, uh-huh. and I'm going to go up to – they do these workshops. Mm-hmm. It's always 50% Republican, 50% Democrat, yeah. and they do – I think it's a five-hour workshop. Mm-hmm. And this the, the, the leader of that organization kind of has these tools to help people talk to each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a documentary about that as well. Um, and I'm going to go up in a couple weeks, and I'm going to sit and observe one of these five-hour uh, yeah. talks. And I think it's going to be very interesting – because that's it's sort of the same thing. It's yeah. like getting together, yep. and it, it takes time yeah. to move past those um, those miscommunications. Yeah. You know, it takes time and also intentional effort to try yeah. to see some empathy for yeah. the other's position. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the, the the testimonies coming out of these. These talks that they're doing are amazing. Like everyone feels just so sort of clean afterwards. So 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 like less despairing, you know.
0: Well, I mean, probably partly because um, it gives people something to be for, as opposed to simply against. Right. And that's the challenge with the the heresy label is Mm -hmm. that's really usually a proclamation, right? Like you come out and you go heretic, right? Or um, this is heresy, whatever. Um, and that sort of works against the purposes of, okay, what do we actually what do we actually believe? what What are we here for? Um, and 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 whether it's like the Americans? like we have, and you know, you look at any poll, and the truth is the bulk of United States citizens by and large, feel similarly about a number of issues that mm-hmm. that could be common ground. Um, there's some you know details in there that they're like I'd prefer this or that whatever, um, and yet the the discourse has been co-opted by by these extremes as if it's the only these are the only options, um, and so the challenge is how do you uh, not purely and I think this is where my earlier question might have been um, uh, misguided you've you've helped mm-hmm. me here because it's not so much can we call these things heresy it's more how do we create space where we can say, here's what we actually believe in and for. Mm-hmm. And part of that, even back to uh, you know this, this red pill documentary that Cassie was saying in her TEDx mm-hmm. talk, uh, another quote she had, we have to stop expecting to be offended. We have to start genuinely listening. That will lead to empathy, compassion, working towards solutions. Then we can finally heal, but it has to start with listening. And that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about what you're describing um, is it requires humans getting together <laughs> Listening to each other, yeah. meaning you have to somehow find a way to abide the presence of your, quote unquote, enemy for yeah. some amount of time and then have enough grace and humility to say, no, I'm going to actually honor what you think, irrespective of what it is mm-hmm. without preconditions. You know, like mm-hmm. I will never meet with, you know, whoever yeah. it is. Right. Um, and that's that is a fundamentally transformative thing. What what's interesting as well, we, we had talked about some other um Odd places where people were either heretics or not is um, specifically anti-religious or non-religious communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a place that you and I were going to go and check out, but then apparently it's it's closing down. Is the Sunday service uh, yeah. here in LA? Um, and it was really hard to sustain that economically and whatnot. And you and I were talking uh, offline about like why would that be? Yeah. Um, and and I think a similar thing. Like what is it that you're for fundamentally? And does that create enough energy to sustain some gathering mm-hmm. like this over the long haul? Um, what are your thoughts about that, the, the Sunday Assembly and the oddity of yeah. a group of people being like, we can't for some reason sustain this?
1: Yeah. Well, the Sunday Assembly is an atheist church. Yeah. And I've always been fascinated by it. And I've always said, I got to go visit one of these days. I got to see what it's about. But I think that it's it's. It's this Robert Putnam phenomenon, you know, how religion unites and divides us and the bowling alone phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Everything that you lose, it's just really an extension of the sort of the lament, Nietzsche's lament over the death of God. You know, like you're going to lose all of that tradition, all of that structure, all of those social things, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're losing that belief. So the really grand attempt, Mm -hmm. you know, is to say, well, can we – Lose those beliefs, but still keep all of the things that we like about community. And so that's what Sunday Assembly was supposed to be. Um, And what they were saying was the reason why it sort of started to decline was a whole bunch of reasons one of them being it's very hard to unite people over something they all disagree with yeah. <laughs> right so it's 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 you need something a little bit deeper a little bit more transcendent otherwise it's just a fad yeah you know and there's so much competition out there on Sundays like brunch and soul cycle or yeah. whatever that you um that it's just not enough to not enough to sustain and you know denominations have church planting handbooks, and they have leadership courses, Mm -hmm. and they have all of these things that have been, you know, sort of passed down forever on how to keep a community together. And that's not something you necessarily would think about if you're trying to start, if you're trying to sort of reinvent the wheel uh, from scratch. They didn't realize, I think, this group, all of those little sort of connective tissue things that Mm -hmm. come with a tradition, Mm -hmm. they couldn't really recreate without the the core uniting principle
0: yeah yeah that's interesting and and kind of as it connects i said we see an inverse thing in american heretics because um i think it's robin the past one of the it's either him or one of the other pastors Mm -hmm. that says you know it's actually kind of hard to get enough um tithes and and financial gifts and his or again someone else in there said um because people aren't scared of hell, right? Like, right. we don't teach. Yeah. And, and I thought, uh, you know, I sort of chuckled. And yeah. Like, yeah, that partly is true, I think, that, mm-hmm. that that drives a fear of what might happen otherwise is a psychological thing. Um, at the same time, I go, uh, I think that's a little overstated. Um, when you look at um, whether it's, you know, the congregational church or, you know, just mainline religion um, in the U.S. in particular, part of it in play is that it doesn't give in to uh, these sort of partisan arguments. Part of it's it doesn't give in to the the kind of biblical literacism that's very clear cut. And there are people who are in and out, you know, um, and people are going to hell and, you know, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I go, there is something that happens that is that the core commitment that you're saying gets muddied somehow. Um, And maybe it's the universalism thing where people Mm -hmm. go, well why should i be here you know mm-hmm. um and then you get to the effectiveness thing like if i care about immigration for example if that's the core unit thing is this the most effective place mm-hmm. where i could address that issue mm-hmm. um and so the the church then becomes like a kind of nice um uh, community oriented version of what might be more effective in the political sphere for example mm-hmm. um and so that's where i was thinking i would i would have loved in this doc for example to see a let's say a an evangelical mm-hmm. doing work for immigration reform and mm-hmm. uh, you know being a sanctuary church or something and um, might have offered a nice balance uh, at that point um, if there was the, the counter voice all around this notion of what's ultimately sustainable and what are those communities that we gather together they're transformative mm-hmm. they're they're talking across these sort of partisan divides um, and they're doing so in a way that, <laughs> that actually is, has a core commitment to, to all of our sort of well-being. Um, my maybe final question for you. Uh, I don't want to assume or presume that you've ever been accused of heresy, uh-huh. other, other than uh, in the sporting realm. Uh-huh. Um, but if you were going to say, if you had to choose just one, um, and it doesn't have to be like an actual orthodox heresy that officially sure. came down, uh-huh. what would be your favorite heresy? My
1: favorite heresy? Oh. Or
0: or the one, maybe maybe a better way to saying it, what would be the one um, that you are most drawn to? Like if you were going to pick one to be.
1: Like a theological heresy? Yeah. Uh, boy. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think maybe if you took uh, someone like um, David Bentley Hart's notion of he's, I think he's come out now as a universalist.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I didn't um, know
1: that. I think so. Um, Orthodox mm-hmm. theologian. Um, but this notion of even if you don't believe in literal universalism, there's still this obligation to hope for it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it is it, which I kind of like is a, mm-hmm. a nice mm-hmm. nuanced position. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to come down on exactly mm-hmm. what you think happens, mm-hmm. um, but there's an ethic there that switches up if you if you're like well you know it i can still i don't necessarily have to believe it or not but i do have this need to sort of hope for it mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. that maybe that would be mine no
0: that's a good one um interestingly mm-hmm. enough uh, universal universalism is one of those that is not technically historically a formal heresy oh really yeah it was never pre- I, I believe this is right i need to check with some of my systematic friends um <laughs> i had a favorite heresy board on the front of my office for a little while <laughs> heresy, uh-huh. and and someone put universalism and then someone else came back and wrote not an official heresy and then uh-huh. i was like oh i need to follow up on that um but even that's interesting of what um at least uh christians uh mm-hmm. and and people modern christians their notions of what is technically heretical or not mm-hmm. um my favorite thing to do when i speak to various christian groups is quote c.s lewis to them who's like mm-hmm. in at least in the u.s like uh, a patron saint yes. really right yeah but he has all these thoughts on mm-hmm. on the eternal life to come etc that mm-hmm. if you actually present what he thinks most people would say that's heretical, right? Like, that's yeah. not that's not Christian, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's because, yeah, because we're living in a very unique socio-political historical time, and most mm-hmm. of what we're dealing with is like 50 years old. <laughs> this it's isn't yeah. new, and we're calling uh, things that are heretical things that have not actually been decided. Universalism a great example. Um, What's because, your favorite one? You know, um, probably Arianism. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I... I've always struggled with uh, the Trinity. Like, I'm a Trinitarian, Mm -hmm. but at a certain point, I'm like, really, it doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just sort of the basics of it. Um, And, you know, basically the whole of Christian theology could be uh, this question about how how do we make sense of the Trinity? Mm -hmm. Um, And starting with who is Jesus, because I thought we were monotheists, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that really is something that I go... I would I would probably be a like a hard nosed monotheist um, if given my druthers. Uh, <laughs> I just I can't get around the like Jesus question is my main my main mm-hmm. issue. But actually the universalism thing as well, um, even what we mean by it, right? Yeah. Um, because uh, what David Bentley Hart and others would would certainly not say is that that means you're off the hook for now, yeah. right? And I think that's one of the fears that people have is mm-hmm. well if in the end, it all turns out. Well, why should I live? Now? Well, it's because these things are connected, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a that's a not really the what he means, I would imagine, or what mm-hmm. we mean by it. Um, and in the hope side of like, yeah, we should we should hope and live our lives as if.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't want.
0: Yeah, you know, you shouldn't <laughs> want everyone. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and that I think reflects a core Christian commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that. Uh forgot so loved the world. You've been listening to the Cutter Callaway Podcast. Find past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or CutterCalloway.com. For those of you with social media savvy, my handle is at Cutter Callaway. Thanks once again to my special guest, documentary filmmaker and author Justin Wells. You can check out his book, How to Film Truth, anywhere books are sold. Also, A special thanks goes to Jeremy Hunt and his band Coalith for providing us with these sweet tunes.